This episode of Nobody's Listening is brought to you by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can get just about anything drawn for pretty darn cheap. Check it out today. DrawYourPicture.com. Also brought to you by GoDaddy.com, where you can use the code PODNAME121 to save money on your next domain name if your conscience will allow it. Geek Loves Nerd. Trying to find something in common since 1996. Geek Loves Nerd. Nerd loves geek. At least she did. At least she did. Late last week. Late last week. Have an ass lately because, lately because she's still here and that's yeah yeah yeah. She has a gold I gave her on her left ring finger. She hasn't figured out I sting. That's right. Yeah 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 yeah. Come on, join in, Jen. No thanks. Sing right along. No thanks. No thanks. Love myself. Hi, this is Geek Loves Nerd, episode one, not (laughs) episode seventy-six. I'm ready to to be in the hundreds, but we're doing pretty dang close. We're getting there, you know. Oh, we'll be there in a long time from now. This is show seventy-six week, uh, brought to you the week of April twentieth, two thousand ten. Hi, I'm James. I'm the geek, and I'm Jen. I'm the nerd, and we're glad to be here. Glad you're here. And uh, thanks for joining us on another amazing episode of Geek Loves Nerd. I'm saying that by faith. I'm believing that it will be true. It will be amazing. I love your deep voice. When did you get that? Why are you calling my voice deep? It'll be amazing. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm going to be self-conscious the whole time. I'm going to be self-conscious the whole time. Your voice is not that deep. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. Your voice is not that deep. <laughs> if I rolled over in the bed and I was like, hey, baby, how you doing? And you're like, I'm doing fine. That would freak me out really bad. So anyway, welcome to the show. We're going to be talking today. Uh, this is part two in a series that we're doing on discipline in the family um, with children specifically. And uh, we're going to be talking about expectations from parents and children. Talking about the proper place for each and what is expected in the average ordinary Family. I'm getting in trouble for using that average word, I can tell right now. Mm. But we'll just say typical family, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the nuclear family. Actually, no matter what family you have, there's got to be some sort of this going on. But before we get into our main topic, let's talk about uh, what's been going on um, this week. Okay. That's our weekly update sound. It is the most ill-fitting sound in the world for the show, but I, I love it. I think it's cool. It's like... We're going to space to do our weekly update. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> so we're going to space. We're in space right now. Okay. And Jason's here. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, just, I was trying to do some sort of mission space type of thing. Like, do, 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 but it came out, kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. So, yeah. sorry. So anyway, what, what's your weekly update? What's been going on this past week? Well, um, okay, so. I mean, you're a mom. Yeah. You go to Mops. Oh my gosh, don't mention that on the show. Mops. Mops. You made a towel. Yeah. Angel. I, no, I didn't make an angel towel. You do crafts at Mops. I don't like crafts, okay? I do them to be nice. You may... Well, when, when Jen makes them, and she will agree with this, it's not a slam, they call them craps. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She made a towel angel. It looked a lot like one of those things that was chasing the hobbits around with a sword. A wraith. 
Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. It did not look like a towel angel. It, it looked like towel everybody wreath. else's, mostly. How dare you make a towel wreath at church? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, anyway, that's not your weekly update, though. No. So, um, we had this little thing after church, um, a get-together for JBQ, Junior Bible Quiz. Anyway, um, and uh, so they had some refreshments there. Mm. And one of the refreshments looked pretty good. A lot of them did. They had bagels mm-hmm. and bananas. I like to call them nanners. <laughs> really? Yeah. Anyway, so they had bananas, and that's what I was going to try one of those. And it was bananas and peanut butter mm. and some white stuff. Mm. I'm like, I bet that's cream cheese or, or maybe marshmallow or fluff. marshmallow flush. Fl- blah, flush. Flush. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, that looks good. And Jenna was still hungry. I'm like, Jenna, you can try one of these. And and so I grabbed one and I put the like whole thing in my mouth. Mm. It was like a big piece of banana too. Nanner. Put the whole thing. And I taste bananas oh. and I taste peanut butter. And then I taste mayonnaise. Ooh. nanners. Oh God. I <laughs> almost died. I almost spit it out like you Why? do sometimes. Why would right you there. have problems with that? First of all, mm. I don't like mayonnaise very much. <laughs> especially when it's not. On a sandwich with lunch meat. Lunchables. Men are made. And Jenna, I look over at Jenna and she has this crazy look on her face. She's like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was trying to be good. <laughs> See, I would hollow out the inside of a nanner mm-hmm. and I would put mayonnaise in like a squirt bottle and just. Really? Yeah, it'd be like a chalupa. You would really do that. Uh, what do they call those things? You really, um, I don't know what you mean. Those the Mexican things with the tube and, the, and they fill it. Oh, like an enchilada? No, on the side of the road you could buy one. Oh, a churro? There you go. It'd be like a, a Nanner tr- Mayor churro. <laughs> churro. You no, seriously. I'm inventing things. Do you like bananas and mayonnaise? Is that like a favorite of yours? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Don't say it like that. I was trying to change the words so they didn't sound as gross. And it it was, sounds cute. It was so much mayonnaise. I mean Nanner uh, Mayo sounds like a Pokemon. I don't even think it was regular mayonnaise. I think it was a miracle whip. Which I especially don't like because it tastes like eggs. I don't know. That's what it's made from. I know, but it's just wrong. And I, you know, I try to use like the teeniest bit of mayonnaise on my sandwiches because it's fattening. And here I like had a whole mouthful of mayonnaise, Mm. like enough for five sandwiches was Mm. in my mouth. Yummy. And then you tell me that this is like, so I thought, okay, this this person who made this must have messed up. They must have accidentally put mayonnaise on it or whatever. But you tell me that this is an actual food that you've heard of. Yeah, yeah. It's like known in the South. It is known. And even Daniel even knew what it was. It is, yeah, it is served um, to royalty, Georgia royalty. Really? Yeah, it is a Southern delicacy. Seriously. And when you are served it. Jen, there's no Georgia royalty. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> I wanted to bullcrap you, but I was like, <laughs> no, I've already snowed her over, and I haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Uh, so. But you have heard of this. Yeah. Have you ever had it before? No. Because you wouldn't touch I don't it. like Southern food. I was born in the uh, wrong part of the country. That I is very that. wise. I don't either. Yeah. Especially Oof. not that particular delicacy. <laughs> so I shall never eat unidentified white stuff again. Mm. Let me just put that out there. Mm. That's probably a good overall rule. Yeah, I think so. I think everybody should adopt that. If you see something white, don't, don't eat, eat it. it. <laughs> okay. 
Especially if it's a little baby. Mm-hmm. A little white baby. <laughs> Don't eat it. Okay, my weekly update has something similar uh, to go on. I heard a story this week. It was very funny. Um, my, um, my, my pastor's wife was invited to a dinner um, for all the pastor's wives. And actually, Jen, you went. Mm-hmm. And they were asked to write down on a piece of paper, you oh know, some of their favorite foods, okay? And apparently, uh, Janet told me, my uh, wife... Um, why do you have to do this? ...wrote down crab cakes, because she loves crab cakes. But uh, she was apparently distracted while she was writing these, because mm-hmm. when this lady grabbed my wife's paper, uh, instead of crab cakes, it actually said crap cakes. Yeah, it did. Which was hilarious to all of the ladies. Mm-hmm. Was this told in staff meeting? No. Oh, okay, good. No. Yeah, it but was, it has made the block the rounds, if you know what I mean. Really? Yeah. It's it's on the gossip chain. It is. It's on the church website. This is the church <laughs> this, this is, that the crap cake lady goes to. And it's it's Come also causes a malware. Yeah. <laughs> this is Stop the, it. I'm sorry. Jen's making fun of people at my church that don't know. No, I'm making fun of the word malware. It's just funny. <laughs> no, you're making fun because somebody came in and told us there was malware on the church website. It was just the, and that, the that it, level of and, uh, and, importance <laughs> put on the malware, I think. That, yeah, uh, they, they actually struck the terror level up to red, I think, <laughs> yeah. as a result. But there was malware not just on our website, but on Network Solutions. <laughs> the whole thing. The entire company had malware. <laughs> Sorry, Network Solutions. We're not going to use you anymore. You charge too much for your domain name. Yeah, they anyway. used to be the only place to get a URL. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, there's like GoDaddy. Podname 121. That's right, Pete. Just in case, people. That's right. You can save money on your next domain name. Do it now. Don't go I to, use the code for the love. Don't go to Network Solutions. No, they charge 35 bucks. What is this, 1995 or something? Really? It's ridiculous. Really? And But we use them for some reason. I don't know. But they have malware <laughs> on the whole site. We shouldn't use them anymore. They're infected. Yeah. The whole thing. I, we're just going to get slandered. We're going to get slapped with a slander suit. So, anyway. Sorry, Network uh, That's not my weekly update, though. That was just my weekly make fun of Jen I, mm-hmm. twice so far now. Um, really, I really wanted to buy an iPad this week. Mm-hmm. They um, are cool. We went down to a mall. What Universal Studios Mall? What's it called? International Plaza, I think. That was close. International something. Yeah, International House of Plaza Cakes. Mm -hmm. And you go down there, and they've got an Apple store, and you walk in, and you feel very trendy. Mm -hmm. You feel so hip. I felt hip. There's, it's dirty, dirty store. Yeah. It is. I feel everything is coated with a thin layer of human slime. Yeah, like you get that impression. All the iPads were like slimy. Yeah, like human feces. No, I didn't no. think of that. But hand juice all over hand everything. Juice, yeah, because everybody's touching. Yeah, stuff. and that's the thing. On. That's the only thing. I, I, Apple iStore is your store looks great, your floor looks dirty, and your iPods look smudgy. Mm-hmm. You need to have a little old lady like from Walmart with a little eye vest with some eye flare, mm-hmm. with a little eye rag, and some eye <laughs> eye spray, and spray those things down between yeah. uses and mm-hmm. make them look. So I awesome. Okay. Yeah. So do that for me. Okay. Okay. But I wanted an iPad and, and, and you know, people have said, why do you want an iPad? It's just a giant iPod. And you say that like it's a bad thing. Have you tried one of these things? They Jen, are cool. It's amazing. It is. I'm telling you, I was like killing zombies. I was driving cars. I was looking at space. I was cooking. 
I was thinking about spending $600. I was just cooking. Jen was cooking. That's was, all she did. There's all these awesome books and things. And I was having so much fun. She's playing stupid uh, ninja fight or something. It was cooking dash, cooking dash going green or something like that. It was a new version. It was very fun. Mm. You had to help make stuff and serve it mm. and all the stuff. Mm. I don't know why. It's a game where you have to do like 50 jobs at once, and you know you're not making very much money. It's a cooking simulator. No, yeah. I've I've made up to $200 for just giving someone cake at it, Cooking Dash. So don't tell me you're not making money. I gave an old man some coffee, and he grew three hearts. <laughs> three human hearts above it's his kind, head. Kind of like the Grinch. It's <laughs> gross. I'm glad that didn't happen in real life. Hey, old mm-hmm. man, you want some coffee? <laughs> mutates we call that cancer in mm-hmm. real life when you start growing extra hearts but anyway um real quick uh somebody wanted me to say hi to you jen and i never do this but they're mm-hmm. awesome so i'm gonna do it he says can you say hi to jen for me sean that's his name shane shane it may be sheen i never can tell with the weird name how's it spelled s-e-a-n sean scene that's sean sean there's no h in there that's that's still it's the spelling of sean sean it's and his- annie Mm-hmm. He says, can you say that on tonight's Girl Geek Loves Nerd? We'll be there in the chat room Are listening. They? I don't know. Oh, okay. But uh, speaking of chat room, you can join us every Tuesday night at 930 Eastern. we got about 10 people in there right now. I'd love to um, holler at Mikey's wife. Pastor Mikey Wan's wifey's in there. Pastor Mikey Wan, Sam and Atrick, Miss Anthony, or a- Assassin and Anthony. Or something, and we got a bunch of anonymous people in there. So, mm. if you want me to read your name, you actually have to get one. It's crazy, I know. Crazy talk. Yeah, as Anthony, that's what it was. I thought you were trying to trick me into swearing. Mm. Anyway, we're also sponsored today um, by Dean Piercy. Thanks, Dean. Corey Ingman. Thanks, Corey. And Paul Detrano. Thanks, Paul. So thank you. If you would like to um, help us out with our fees and new microphones and stuff, you can do that. Go to geeklovesnerd.com, click on donate, and um, and give us five bucks a show. And the rest of y'all, what, what a dollar a show. Five bucks a month. That's yeah, all we ask. That's all. Is it, Are we not worth a dollar a show? I think we are. I think Jen is all by herself. I am. With, in fact, I would be worth five dollars a show, but you're here, so it has to drop down to a dollar. Mm. Does that hurt? Mm. Mm. Okay. So anyway, let's get into our main topic. Okay. Um, we're going to be, last week we redefined discipline. Actually, we defined it, but mm-hmm. we kind of redefined it and we took away some of the stigmatisms that people have. The stigma, I should say, about discipline. Discipline is not punishment, even though it does include punishment. It's not all rewarding and it's not abuse. It is a relationship um, with a goal of uh, getting kids to be more like Christ and connecting them with you. Um, so today, though, we're going to talk a lot about what is expected from parents and children. And again, our source, our basis, is the Word of God, a.k.a. the Biblio Hebraica. I'm just kidding. We're not reading the Hebrew Bible. Really, I'd be impressed if we did. I know. I could. I have one. Mm-hmm, but. Uh, it's it's backwards for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. 
I wrote everything backwards. Uh, so anyway, um, what is discipline? Again, punishment says you're wrong. Abuse says you deserve the worst. It's not the, that. Uh, what it is is discipline says you can do better and I can help. It's the pain that causes us to run from eternal death. It's based on relationship, and it is achieved when we provide a relationship of love and consistency. Or children are shown the consequences of sin and the benefits of obedience. And someone in our Sunday school class made a very valid point that not everything a child does is a sin. And and I I don't know I didn't stand up and and disagree because it kind of caught me off guard the comment, um, but I think they missed my point in that 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 may honestly I may agree with that because if a child doesn't know what sin is that they're not transgressing they're just being bad I yeah I wouldn't count it as a sin but I my point was that the family is a microcosm of the universe. Right, and in the universe, the God, the universe, God has set up every sin does lead to death, and and obedience leads to life. And in the microcosm of your world, we're not talking about sins; we're talking about obedience and disobedience. We're talking about good behavior and bad behavior. And when a three-year-old is bad, they need to be corrected because when they are grown, if they do not learn that bad behavior has consequences, then yes, sin is going to put them on a one-track uh, train to eternal death and that's not what we want um so anyway uh uh, proper discipline again recapping starts with love is consistent and predictable has consequences for bad choices but has benefits and encouragements for good choices see so there you go thanks for joining our show that was last week so what what is expected from parents and children jen just off the top of your head what what would you say um, that that we're supposed to be doing as parents. Um, as parents, we're supposed to train our children. Yeah, and um, to be conductors. It's a little train joke right there. That's oh, all. that was not funny. Um, we're supposed to train our children to um, to know right from wrong, yeah. to do right. To uh, I think everybody would agree with that. Mm-hmm. The the it's question, but but the problem is that we see a lot of kids that aren't taught. Mm-hmm. how to behave. I think in the big picture, maybe they know some things, but when it comes to respecting their elders, and especially their own parents, I, I see some really good kids who are great in class, who are great at school, and horrible around their own families. Why is that? Because, probably because parents, I mean, there's lots of reasons parents don't discipline, but I know, um, you know, at least with both of our kids, mm-hmm. um, You've got to teach them that what you say matters yep. and that when you say something, they need to do something, you know, they need to listen and they need to do it. And, you know, you also need to teach them that that, that you are, you know, um, what do you call it, over them or um, um, not over them, but... You are the one in charge, and they are to listen right. to you. Everybody, you're the one in authority. That's yeah, the word. Yeah, and, but they don't do it by default. No. And on top of that, even when you establish it, you've got to continually establish it through all of their... Mm-hmm. their um, got to be consistent. Yeah, and, and you know, like, like we have Jenna, who's five. I mean, we're still reestablishing and reestablishing that fact because... You know, she she's growing and she's learning and she's starting to think, you know, a little more critically. And she starts thinking, but why do I need to do this? Mm-hmm. And she thinks that she has a better idea or a better answer. And um, you still need to consistently drive home that, you know, what we say is what you need to listen to. Mm-hmm. And then when they hit teenager, you, you can't even 
always, you know, you can, you can do that for a while, but you can't always continue that in the same way. It's important to start young. mm -hmm. Um, here's a, here's something I want to read. It's it's a Psalm. It's a very wise statement. Uh, Psalm 127, uh, verse three, sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are, are a reward from him. And, Kids are supposed to be a reward. So if you if you laughed at that a little mm-hmm. bit and said, "Oh my kids, oh, more like a curse," uh, well, our goal is to help you with that, and um, and to help uh, anyone who's listening to this to help you to to help your kids to be a blessing to you. They're not just a task list. They're not a walking to do list. They're not just a bunch of needs and and a reminder of of days that you used to be able to go to movies whenever you wanted and didn't have to get a babysitter. They can be something that uh, enhances your life and helps you and brings a lot of joy and more joy than pain. But we do, but you do have to do the work up front of training them. So we're going to go to the word of God, to the Bible, um, which is our source. And uh, we're going to look at that and just see what is God when he created man and he created woman and he created the concept of, of procreation and having children. What did he intend for each role to be? How did he set it up? And I figure if we can look at this and, and get a model in our head and we can balance that against what what's going on in our own families, it might give us at least an idea. I think the Lord of God's like a mirror. You look at the mirror and you check yourself. And you see things. Oh, my hair is not quite right. And you walk away, and you come back, and you, well, maybe you see a button's not buttoned quite right, and you fix it. And that's that's what the Word of God does for us. So we're gonna look at that. Uh, when I just to summarize, when I when I went and I saw, there's tons of scriptures about parenting and and our responsibilities to our kids. Tons and tons and tons. And so I distilled them down to just a very few because a lot of them kind of say the same thing, but they maybe say it in a little different way, a little different context, but but the point was being made. And I tried what I really wanted to do. I had a list um, that I started making and then I because it had two points that I wanted to make. I wanted to be able to say, God wants us to love our kids. And then there was going to be some scriptures. And then there was going to be one, God wants us to discipline or train, as Jen said, our kids. But what I had to do is when it was all said and done, when I'm reading all these verses, I had to combine all of those concepts into one bullet point because I could not find in the Bible that there was any separation between loving your kids and training your kids. And and uh, honestly, the concepts of training and discipline combined is literally discipling, meaning creating a follower, uh, recreating your life into someone else. So my first and only point and what God wants from parents is to love and disciple, a.k.a. train and discipline your kids. That's it right there. That is our goal. That is our job. The two concepts are inseparable. Deuteronomy 6 says impress, uh, in the context being these concepts and precepts and teachings, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. In other words, all of that to say, teach your kids the things you know from the Word of God, the things that you've learned from your pastor and your and your priest and things like that. Talk about them all the time to the point that it would seem as if you've had them tied on you and tattooed on you and they're written all over the walls of your house, just like the bat cave that had everything labeled, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, that's the idea there. Ephesians 6, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by God. I, my emphasis added there. By the way you treat them, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Fathers have been abusing their roles for generations. 
I mean, they're not supposed to. We're not supposed to make our kids angry by the way we treat them. We're supposed to be a disciplinarian. And, 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 and again, that word discipline, what does it mean? Discipling, loving, and training. Proverbs 22, uh, 6, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Direct, oh, and, and this is another version. I think it's the message. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are, when they are older, they will not leave it. I love that different version of it. Deuteronomy 4, 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your children after them. In other words, we're supposed to pass down the life lessons that we learn and train our kids. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. All right, and again, I, I think I said it in the class that we taught on this topic last Sunday. I don't think the Bible cares how you um, discipline your kids, how you train them. Mm-hmm. If if you do whoopings, then do them very carefully. Follow the rules. Do not do it in anger. Um, do not go overboard. I believe in using your hand, my personally, because that way you it hurts you too. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't care how you discipline your kids as long as you're consistent. As long as you do it, I've seen a super nanny. She mm-hmm. don't hit, she don't do nothing, corporal. It's all you know, just just making Time that kid outs. times out and stay in the corner. And I've seen her work with kids and moms for six plus hours, getting mm-hmm. a kid worn down to where they'll listen. The only difference between spanking and that is a spanking's quicker. Mm-hmm. You can shave <laughs> that down to about fifteen seconds. I'm gonna tell you right now. So be against it if you want to. That's fine, but don't be talking to me. I got a lot more time on my hands than you do, <laughs> so that's fine. But the but the point being that again, th- there's 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 more and more proverbs in there, and again, Proverbs thirteen, the last one we read, kind of summarized it all. But it says that if you don't discipline your kids, you might as well hate them. Mm-hmm. And G- and God even said, well, I think we read it last week in, in Hebrews, talking about those that that He dis- God loves, He disciplines, and and we're supposed to be the same model. And so, parents, we're supposed to love and train our kids. There is no loving our kids without training them and i think that um is is a big one of the big reasons why people don't discipline their kids is because they feel like that's showing them that they don't love them mm-hmm. you know by by because it feels mean it, it feels cool yeah, it does it does and it you know in some ways it feels selfish because it's like you're molding these kids into you're making them do stuff that you want them to do and you know that kind of sounds selfish it's like making somebody do something that i want them to do but if the thing that you want them to do is beneficial to them right. as well as yourself you know, like helping with chores around the house. I mean, it seems kind of mean, but at the same time. Right, but your purpose is not to embedder your life. It's not right. selfishness, even though it may feel that way. Your purpose is to teach the kids how to how to work. Mm-hmm. You got to teach them how to work. But I've seen that where people feel like they shouldn't, I shouldn't make my kids do that. I, should, I shouldn't expect this out mm-hmm. of them. I, I shouldn't make them, you know, mind or I shouldn't make them do this or mm-hmm. that. And it's, you know, there's a lot of good for them to be learned in in, uh, having to do things. Now, in my opinion, and and this is stuff I scrapped from the Bible here, if you love your kids, you will teach them how the world works. And inside of the protective covering of the microcosm I call the family, if you let them go through life thinking there are no consequences for their actions and that they can do anything they want, you are setting them up to fail. Yeah, you're and setting them up to find out the consequences. I'm telling you, they're going to learn the hard way. Everyone is under authority. Everyone is. Everyone in the planet is answers to someone. 
So teaching your kids that they don't answer to anybody and they can do what they want is foolish. It's foolish. And it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt them. There is no good in it. True love is, is a balance. Like we said last time, it's not just hugs and kisses. It's also holding that child down to, while they get their shots. It is not fun for anyone involved. But dadgummit, you do it because you want them to be healthy. And you want to be able to kick their butts into school. Mm-hmm. So there is some right. selfishness in there. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest here. <laughs> but you don't want them to get a major disease either. Yep. Well, I don't know that chicken pox is a major Well, disease. you know, in religious folks that are listening to the show, you know that we lose 85% of our kids at 18 from church. Why do we lose them? Why do we lose them? It's all of these reasons. We don't train our kids anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so sad. As a children's pastor, I've been doing this for quite a while, and I see this, this unsaid rule. I don't teach my kids ballet. They have a ballet teacher. I don't teach my kids soccer. They have a soccer coach. And I don't have to preach and teach to my kids anymore because they have a children's pastor. And so I wonder, and I scratch my head, is my job hurting more than it's helping? Am I babysitting or am I an excuse for parents to not have to take the role that God God intended for them to take. You as a parent, me as my as my kids' parents, we are to be the primary spiritual influence on our children. Because we're not always going to have that role. We're not. We're not always. Right. Because kids, when they get a certain age, and you know, you know it's true, you start listening to your friends more than you do your own family, mm-hmm. your own friends. And so even on a logical basis, what do you want your friends, what do you want your kids getting their friends from? Do you want your kids getting their friends, the majority of their bestest, bestest friends from from ballet, from soccer, from school, or from a church full of people that share your values? Get your kids in church, people. That's just my, it's just a good idea. Okay? And consistently get them in church. And let what the preacher is preaching change you. Because that's when they'll take it seriously. So that's what God expects from us. We're supposed to love and train our kids, disciple them, and teach them. And, and Jen, you, you'd said it feels selfish, and I've seen some people raise their kids selfishly, and what ends up happening is they on, they're only responsive to bad behavior, kid, and behavior that is embarrassing to them personally, mm-hmm. and they're not consistent, and they're not rewarders either, because if the kid is good, he didn't embarrass me, I'm not going to say anything. So when he's bad, I overreact. The kids learns if I want attention, I have to be bad, especially in public. Right. But if you have a vision for your kid, mm-hmm. this is a concept we're going to push throughout this entire series, get a vision for your kid. If you have a vision for your child, I want my kid to grow up and have a nice house that they take care of. So I'm going to teach them. I'm not going to make them do all the laundry like my mom did me, mm-hmm. but I'm going to t- let them help. And man, we have little helpers, don't we? They're not yeah, perfect, but they like to help. And I love that. And I hope we can keep that. And some some parents of kids that are older than us are rolling their eyes. And I know we, we live in a blissful world, but... I'm telling you, there's there's a there's the difference between having a kid that argues you but still does it, and a kid that flatly refuses mm-hmm. to do it. I'd rather have the kid that argues and still does it, and that's the difference. Also, um, I, it amazes me parents that have kids that won't mind but will pay and and train and work their butts off to train their dog. Yeah, that is kind of ridiculous. They have more of a vision for what they want from their dog. (laughs) They send their dog to obedience school. (laughs) And you know what? Or they'll take their dog to obedience school. A lot of what works, I mean, discipline is discipline, no matter if you're talking about a dog (laughs) or a kid. 
The That's only true. difference is dogs learn. They don't have as much to learn, and it doesn't take quite as long. They, but it is still a lot of work. They can't talk back. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they can. I saw a YouTube video. Yeah. I mean, you th- you think about, like, training a dog to, to go to the bathroom outside. I mean, you yeah. take them out. You, you, you spend a heck of a lot of time yep. doing that. And you, you, you have and you clickers. Have, you've got newspaper mm-hmm. rolled up. You know, you've got. You have to be consistent, too. Shock or collars. They work great for toddlers too. Mm-hmm. You're you're missing my. Sorry, block. you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent with the dog you if you want them to not go in the house. You can't just not take them out yeah. sometimes, and you can't train them every other weekend. Yeah, you can't only do it when you have neighbors over for dinner. You can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't just do it when it's embarrassing or when it's mm-hmm. not. And and there's there's even when they do what they're supposed to do, you still have to go in the backyard and clean that crap up. <laughs> yeah, you do. So there's your reward for having a dog that behaves. <laughs> so the parent's life is not much different, even when they do it right. That's what I was telling somebody <laughs> today. My kids were helping me, and I was like, these are my little helpers. And it takes longer to do it when they help, but they're still helpers. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, st- that's the equivalent right there. Yeah. Yes, it's work, but it's the job we're supposed to do. These children were created by God. They are his. We started with a verse that says, Children are a reward from him. They are a gift to us. They are his kids. We get to raise them. And I guarantee you, one day we're going to stand before him. And I'm sorry, whether you believe this or not, it's going to happen to every one of us. And God's going to look down and say, Hey, I gave you Billy and Stanley. What did, how did you do? How did you do? What did you do with what I gave you? How did you treat them? How did you train them? How did you love them? And um, I want to be able to give a good answer. I just do. Yeah. Not because he's going to squish me with his thumb, um, but because I just want to say, I appreciated what you gave me, and I did the best I could. I wasn't perfect, but I did the best I could. So anyway, that's the first half. Well, what, is, what does God expect? What does the Bible say about kids? What, is, what did God want from kids? You know, I'm a, I'm a children's pastor, and so I, I hear a lot of stuff. Whew. And um, there's a lot of children's pastors out there that that really push kids to be super, super spiritual and to just, uh, especially in the Pentecostal movement, they want them uh, praying hardcore and, and just they're all about chasing the devil and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I really thought, you know, let me let's just break this down, look in the word of God, see what what is specifically the Bible saying to kids. Okay, so I'm going to read some verses that I pulled out. Again, I condensed them down. Uh, they're full verses, but if they're if they're repetitive, I don't I don't repeat them. Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Children, and that was uh, Ephesians six. Uh, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Colossians three. Uh, regard, in other words, treat with honor, do obedience and courtesy your father and mother, that your days will be long in the land of the Lord. And uh, that was Exodus twenty. Uh, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Proverbs twenty eleven. Guys, um, when when I read all these things, I think the theme is obvious. God wants kids to obey their parents. Yeah, they they want kids to defer to, you know, not to argue the, but I don't want to, you know, or I shouldn't have to listen to you thing. Well, if I'd read every verse in there, you would have also gotten the impression that, that especially if you learn about discipline, discipline, the one that you are disciplined by causes you to respect that person. 
Mm-hmm. That's common sense, and it happens to be in the Bible as well. And especially if you receive that discipline because you have a relationship of unconditional love between you and the parent. And so um, the the whole thing here is is about connection and about being connected. God uh, God wants parents to love and train their kids. So you see this this uh, this this push from parents to children, and then he wants children to obey their parents and to receive what their parents are supposed to be doing. You know, it always it always was funny to me. People, uh, kids won't sit still. Been doing children's ministry, like I said, for about 10 years. Kids will not sit still sometimes. And then you put them in timeout, and they'll sit still. They could not mm-hmm. sit still <laughs> to stay out of trouble, <laughs> yeah. but then when they go in the discipline chair... They can sit still for the time. And that used to really, really, like, not irk me, but it just, it was like a big question mark. I'm like, what in the world? How is this even possible? (laughs) And it finally occurred to me one day, it's because kids desire training. They desire discipline. Well, I mean, you even think about, like, the Super Nanny show you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Most of the time at the end of that show, those kids love that Super Nanny. Yeah. And she really didn't do anything no. nice to them. She she came in there and, you know, rocked their world and changed everything. Yeah, they hated her for a minute. And made her do, made them do all these things that they were dead set against doing. Right. But then they, I mean, I've seen it time and time again. They love her. They do not want her to leave. Nope. And yeah. It's because so she it's brought so, order to their home. And they were. Because the kids act out and they get angry and they hit their parents when they want their, they, they don't know what they want. But somehow in there, we're, we're children are made to need authority and mm-hmm. need that. And when they don't have it, something's wrong. It's like kids are made to have a mom and a dad. And when dad's not there, they don't know what they're missing because they never had it. Right. I can speak from experience. So you, you feel a hole in your soul that somebody, something isn't right. Something was supposed to be filling that void. And I'm telling you, when I see kids slapping their parents and throwing things around the house, I see anger. Something's awry. They don't even understand what it is, but it's wrong. And they don't know how to express it. Mm-hmm. And there's no consequences for expressing it violently. So, hey, that seems to be the best way. Let's do that. Yeah. So, yeah, kids love it when there's structure and boundaries put on them. We do that with our dogs. We do it with our parakeets. But we can't do it with our children. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, God. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Totally lost That's all right. Train of thought, but well, maybe it'll come back. To children me. obey your parents. That's what God wants from kids. That's what the Bible says to children. That is first thing. Second thing it does say is to grow in wisdom. When you read the story of uh, Jesus at 13 years of age, having left his parents and they found him in the temple, he was talking uh, the scriptures with the elders there, and they were all impressed with him. What have you been doing, Jesus? We scared us to death. I've been about my father's business. You should have known that. They, he goes with them, and the only thing we hear uh, about his growth is that he grew in wisdom, okay? Um, that he, he became something, apparently, that his parents were proud of, God was proud of. He, he did his best. And uh, we've got a few scriptures to back that up. Hey, hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck, Proverbs 1. Uh, Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you fear of the Lord, not being scared of God, but being respectful of him, Psalm 31. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instructions and be wise, and do not disdain it. That's Proverbs 8. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do, and whatever else you do, get good judgment, Proverbs 4. The road... Uh, to life is a disciplined life. Ignore correction, and you're lost for good. 
Proverbs 10. That's from the message. Um, let me see. My child, I'm skipping a few because there's quite a few here. My child, don't turn away or become bitter. When the Lord corrects you, the Lord corrects everyone he loves, just as parents correct their favorite child. Man, so the one we discipline the most is our favorite? <laughs> I didn't know the little one was our favorite. <laughs> I was going to say that would make the boy our favorite. <laughs> Proverbs 3.11. And then lastly, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word and following its rules. So, you know, I don't see a whole lot of scriptures telling kids to to connect with God. Okay? Now that's rocking a lot of people's worlds. It rocked my world because I'm in a world that says get kids connected to God as soon as possible. As soon as possible. And what I read in the Bible is God really wants kids connected to their parents. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense when you live it when you see kids grow up. And I I I haven't been a parent that long, but again, I've been working with kids enough to have them all the way up through high school and I've even counseled uh teenagers, young adults and then myself even I think the reason God is all about connecting kids to parents and parents to kids is because your it's because of that 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 uh microcosm concept again your first experience with unconditional love your first experience with discipline your first experience with authority and relationship is with your family with your parents and I haven't met an adult that hasn't had an issue with God that didn't stem Not even an issue, but a view of God that didn't stem from their view or it was influenced by their view of their parents Mm -hmm. and their connection with them. If you had a father or a mother that was very demanding and only showed you uh, uh, acceptance when you you performed, you're going to have a performance-based God that's only going to like you when you're good. And if you had a parent that was giving and, and all this and all that and just did everything that you wanted them to do and never held you accountable, you are, first of all, not going to care about God. But even if you do, you're going to be very disappointed when God's not Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And so I know in my case, I believe I, I, was the, I had the performance-based God. God only liked me when I was being good, and he, he didn't want anything to do with me. When I was bad, and I had to, I had to learn that no, no, it's not that way. How much better for me would it have been? How much more approachable would the concept of God have been if if He had been properly reflected through the lives of my parents into my life? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, parents, you be connected to God, you obey Him because you're duplicating your spiritual life into them. And when they're connected to you, they're going to get Him. They're going to get Him by default. That is why I believe we are like pipelines connected between God and our kids, and the cleaner and clearer our lives are, just like a pipe, the more uh, of God kids will see through us, and the more will get directed in their life. Um, I just, I truly believe God wants kids and, and families connected. He wants families and parents to take that, that lead role in their kids' lives um, and, and, and train them themselves. So how do we do that? How do we do that, Jen? What is, uh, you know, it, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a pastor, and I still, uh, when I first started this, and I still kind of get weird about it. How do I incorporate God into my life, into my kids' lives? How do I, how do I teach them things without having a dumb sit down and study the Bible for six hours every afternoon, you know, kind of thing? Because I don't want it to be monotonous and boring. Mm-hmm. How do you weave faith into your kids' lives in a practical way? Well, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think the biggest thing, and you already touched on it, is is who you are, yep. is one of the biggest teachers to your children, and it's very scary, but it's very true. 
You know, it's not, you can say anything you want, but they watch you and they look at you and they take in, they take, I mean, I've had Jenna say, why do you have that look on your face? Mm -hmm. You know, like she's reading my moods just by my face. I mean, they take in everything around them and you know, who you are and who God is to you is, is, is probably one of the number one things that, that, you know. Well, because it's supposed to influence everything in your life. If mm-hmm. you really love God and you obey Him, it does begin to affect and change your life. You grow the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those kinds of things become evident. And even your mistakes begin to teach kids that there's a better way. The way you apologize instead of sh- shrugging it off. The way you, you, you know, I don't know, I have this thing where I help people on the side of the road. And that mm-hmm. has affected my daughter. Yes, it and there's has. been a couple of times we haven't helped because it was obvious, like in this one case, it was a guy, he was just jacking around trying to get people to stop so he could beg for money. We live in St. Pete, go figure. And so why didn't we stop? You know, and, and so that, again, she had to process that and I had to explain that to her. But that's something that happens because, I don't know, because cause that's not me. I don't like helping people. <laughs> nice, no, James. I do. <laughs> it's not easy for you. No, it's not. It's not natural for me. Well, it's it's a weird thing when you help people on the side of the road because you don't really know what you're walking into. Yeah, I could be killed. Exactly. For wanting to help you with your tire. But yeah, it, Jen is absolutely right. You've got to be connected. You've got to be that example because it's not what you say. It's what you do. And kids will do what you say for only so long and then they'll do what you do. And uh, they will turn out just like you no matter what. Literally... uh, discipling is duplicating your life into your kids and you're going to do that no matter what and they you know they listen to what you say and they watch they watch to see if it adds up you know and they're they're not dumb they'll they they catch it very quickly another thing i do is is that back to that idea of a vision of a child or a vision of what you want your kid to be um you have to get that vision and then and then you train them based on that you you direct them based on that um I had a point. I forgot it. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I did remember my point from oh, good, before. Good. But <laughs> Maybe I'll remember mine. <laughs> so. Did you get it? Oh, I didn't know if you wanted me to. It, Go ahead. It doesn't exactly fit, but it does. That's fine. Um, we were talking about before how, um, you know, kids get angry when the parent isn't taking control. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, gosh. The, <laughs> the biggest thing. Um, oh, you know, basically what you're doing when you when you let the kids do what they want is you're letting kids be the decision makers. Right. Which is, re- if you've ever watched a kid make a decision, that is really, really hard on them. Yeah. It's very stressful for them. Yep. They are not equipped to make decisions. Good point. And so it puts them as deci- decision makers and it puts them in charge and they sense the stress mm-hmm. in both situations and they're not happy. No. To, you know, they may think they are because they get what they want in the short run, but they are not happy to be mm-hmm. in charge. They're not wired that way. It's they're it's not. just not. They're not equipped. Well, and the Bible says that if you don't discipline your kid, again, I think we said it last week, rebellion grows in that heart. Yeah, because they begin to resent the parents for putting him in that position. And they're not going to respect any authority. The world mm-hmm. is full of youth that have no respect for police teachers or anything and does it help the world does it help the child individually no No. it gets them shot arrested or at very least gets some bad grades or kicked out of school or it makes everybody think your kid is a jerkwad Mm -hmm. and by god i don't want my kid i'm paying too much to feed them that's right i I wouldn't have a dog that acted that way i'm not gonna have a child that acted that way (laughs) so anyway um here here's some of the easy stuff um the easy stuff is uh oh 
some I wanted to take kind of the weirdness out of raising your your kids and doing what God wants you to do because it is funny how we know how to make our kids smart. You read to them, and that's about it. Get them in school. You know, you challenge them with shapes and colors when they're younger and all that. We know that, and we don't even feel weird about that. We just read up on it on the internet and we do it. You know, um, and then when it's uh, keeping them healthy. We're pretty, that's kind of duh, too. We're like, we feed them good food, not too much mm-hmm. juice to rot their teeth out, blah, blah, blah. We put them to bed on time. You know, we don't let them stay up all night. And though, and then the kid is healthy. Get them some exercise. They can't play Nintendo all day, you know. Um, and and, and that those are kind of easy. But then when it comes to spiritual things, all of a sudden we get weird. And we think, oh, I, I don't even do it myself halfway. Uh, or I, I certainly don't want to do it wrong. So I, I'm just going to let that not – I'm not even going to think about it. And so I really wanted to break some stuff down. There are three easy things that everybody can do, and then there's three harder things, and we've already hit on some of them. But the first one is read to them. You read to them to make them smart. It works the same way when through in, in the spiritual world. Tell your children stories from the Bible. I mean, you don't have to read them from the Bible. Get a storybook that's age-appropriate if you want to. I think kids love Bible stories. I know I did. Mm-hmm. I loved them. If your children are older, get them to read them to you. Discuss the stories. Ask how the characters involved felt and what they learned. Tell them how the message applies to their life. You don't have to have a theology degree to teach your kids. And if they have questions you can't answer, it's okay to say, I don't know. And then go ask somebody. Don't tell them to ask their pastor. You go ask pastor. Come back. It's like that scene in Nemo. When the kid asked uh, how old a turtle is, and he didn't know, and then mm-hmm. he, he talked to Crush, and then he comes back, and he's like, I know how old the turtle is, you know? And and the kid thought he was so awesome. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I'll tell you, I don't know a single children's passion in the world that wouldn't want to set you up to be the hero of your kid. So, you know, ask away, and when you get your answer, go back and tell them. And then you're the boss. You're the leader. You're the smart guy. That's awesome. That's fine. I mean, kids are going to ask all kinds of questions. Why is the sky blue? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. So the same with spiritual stuff, okay? But some, yeah, when you read things, the Bible uses the idea of the mind like a a garden. And it says there's different kinds of soil. There's good soil. There's soil with rocks in it. There's soil with with weeds in it. And there's there's soil that's hard and and all that. Um, Your kids right now, I guarantee you, especially the younger they are, are good ground. And anything you plant is going to grow. Anything, anything, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh's going to grow, uh, Bakugan's going to grow, math and science is going to grow, and the Word of God will grow. I want as much uh, of, 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 of stories like that in, in there as possible. You know, for younger kids, uh, I'm not opposed to, uh, what, is it, what is it, Veggie Tales. Mm-hmm. But man, how much better is it? I, I love telling them his bedtime stories. I told my daughter about the... Uh, the uh, jo- uh joseph um um joshua walking around the wall in the giant city mm-hmm. and it falling down but the only part that was still around you know read through the stories and then tell the story i don't even tell her it's from the bible till afterwards you know what the best part of the story was jen jenna it was real it really happened <gasps> and she's just filled with wonder just like if i had told her you know a, a wonderful uh, fairy tale but it's real mm-hmm. and there's a way to do that so read to them number two share with them these are the easy things um, tell them stories of times when God was there for you. This is stuff that was covered in our scriptures earlier. Anyone who spent any time trying to live right has stories of success and failure. And don't be afraid to share those moments with your kid. I remember one thing my stepdad did do right is he used to tell me stories about missionaries and pastors and stories about miracles and things that happen all over the world. And just, oh, it just, it just blew my mind. Um, 
I don't think spelling out dark details of your past is healthy. I had a needle hanging out of my arm. And, yeah. you know, that's not necessary. <laughs> I think I saw the devil. Uh, but but keep keep your sharing age appropriate, and your children will see how your relationship with God has shaped the family they're a part of, even if it's not necessarily a great past. Um, it's going to save you. If you go ahead and tell them the truth age appropriately, again, if they can't understand it, it's not for them to know yet. But you'll save yourself from that teenage crap of, you did it and you turned out okay. Right. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, they don't know because you didn't tell them about all the struggles and the problems and things like that. Anyway, involve them is the third one. It's easy to do. Church is important. The older your child is, the more important you will find it will become. Children have four main sources for friends. I covered this already, but the four main sources are your neighborhood, your school, church, and activities. Where do you want the majority of their friends to come from? When you consider that middle school and high school students put more trust in their friends' opinions than their own parents, you will probably want those friends to have similar moral standards to your own. And the closest you can get to choosing your kids' friends is church. Find a church that cares about families, offers programs that provide opportunities for children to grow in their faith, character, and dedication. I'm also a fan of churches who allow families to worship together once in a while. Kids learn by imitation, and they can't learn how to worship from you if they never see you worship. So involve your kids. If, you, if you're if you a charity person that does things and feeds homeless, take those kids with you. The harder stuff is living out your faith. The number one, uh, I believe the number one reason people don't discipline is because they're not disciplined. Whenever I meet a lying kid, I usually end up with a lying parent in front of me when I have to tell them. And it's so hard to tell them, your kid's been lying. And that's why the parents are defensive, because they're like, yeah, I'm a liar, too. (laughs) But I don't want you to know that. Well, because parents duplicate themselves no matter what they do. And by God, you you ought to be a good person so you can duplicate a good person in your kids. In many ways, children will become what you are now. They only do what you say for so long. We said that already. The only way you can really do this wrong is to quit the only way you can really it, it, people worry about not doing it right but if you'll if you'll try to live for god try to live out your faith the only way you can do it wrong is if you quit because even if you struggle even if you fail and come back the kids are going to see that and they're mm-hmm. going to learn determination from you and they're going to say ooh, 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 what can i do to do it even better mm-hmm. so number five is hold them accountable uh, living a life of faith requires living by a set of godly standards. There's no reason to have standards if you don't enforce them. So that's where proper discipline comes in. Proper discipline isn't always punishment. It's not trying to make the child be well-behaved. It is training a child to become the person who prefers good choices over bad, who prefers godly ways over sinful ways. And we model when we model a godly life, they get to share in the benefits of obedience with you. Did you catch that? When your family is a family that follows God's ways because you and your husband decided to, then your family receives the, uh, the, the uh, you get more blessings, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not like God just rewards us. I think it's like God's gifts are like a, a water pitcher pouring water out. And when you obey, you align yourself right under that stream. And when you disobey, you step out from it. The, the blessings are still there. God's love still flowing and all that kind of stuff. But you've decided, nah, not for me. But your kids get to benefit from that, too, and they're going to see that, and they're going to experience that. That's not something I can duplicate in a church service, so don't think that me and my cohorts can do that for you. We can't. All we can do is support what's going on in the home. Um, Number six, let them choose. That's something you didn't expect to hear. The hardest thing a parent will ever do is let their child go to make their own way in the world. The Bible has a promise, though, that we can trust in. It says if we show our children the way they should go when they're old, they will still go that same way. 
That's why it's so important to model our faith to them. We'll always be parents, but there will be a point where we're no longer parenting them. Right. We'll have to sit back and hope and pray and wish and pray and scream and cry that what mm-hmm. we invested in them will carry them through. I, knew, I will never assume that my child is going to grow up and become a Christian. I'm never going to force it on them. I'm just going to model a life dedicated to Christ and trust that if it's real, that it'll work. Right. Because if it's not real, I don't want my kids copying me. If I'm misled, if I'm wrong, they have a they have a they have a right to do it the right way. But I believe I am right. I believe this is the right way, and if it is right, it'll prove itself out in their life and they'll want to be like me. And you, by the way, you can have in on this too. <laughs> Good things. Even though you're not a great lady. Just kidding. Thanks a lot. So a wise man once told me that um Again, we said it here, but this is where I learned it from a guy named George Westlake. At first, a kid will do what you say, but then they'll do what you do. It means that properly raising your child is more than modifying bad habits and behaviors in your child. It's also becoming the person that you want your child to become yourself. And um, and again, is your life worth duplicating? That's the best thing you could take away from this podcast. I will be duplicating myself in my child. Am I what I want my kid to be? And then make your decisions based on that. Respond accordingly. Or turn off this podcast and ignore everything we said. That's the amazing thing. You don't Mm -hmm. have to listen to a darn bit of it. Uh, Jen, you have any follow-up comments or anything you want to say? Um, You don't have to. If you think of anything, we could just throw it in any time. Okay. Okay, good deal. Well, that was our main topic. It's time for... Ask Jen. Sounds like you're a race car driver. Do you like that? Yes, I do. Okay. I think I'm a race car driver in space. Awesome. Hey, da- <laughs> hey, James and Jen, or Jen and James. My wife and I recently had a conversation about children and raising children. In this conversation, we talked about the differences in generations. Being raised in the 80s, my wife and I have strong family values, care about world events, and truly have a zest for life. That being said, we are wild, crazy, and care. We were wild, crazy, carefree teenagers as well. Back then, we didn't care about authority. We had zero respect for presidents, deans, or even the law to a certain extent. Now we see through more mature eyes, and today's teenagers, our kids, uh, our kids reminiscent of us. Everything they do reminds us of the stupid things we did when we were young, and makes this makes us concerned. Before we even got engaged, we decided to wait at least a year after marriage before we started having children. I think that's wise. Uh, We live near a lot of the local hangouts of the modern teenager, and we tend to unintentionally observe their habits and actions. My wife and I disagree on some things, but this was a kicker. Vicky was of the opinion that the way kids dress and act during their teen years is a reflection of their true personality. On the other hand, I think the things teens do is driven mostly by the media and by their peers, not really what's on the inside. Now, we know you two have children of your own, and James has worked with kids for a long time, and we've wondered what your opinions on this were. Also, I would like to know things like what you plan to do in that faraway day when your son and daughter wants to dress or act in a disapproving way. We would love to hear your opinions. You may want to stick this one in between light shows because of the way the topic may kill you. Thanks, Marcel or Marcel and Vicky. Jen, what do you think? Um... As far as their, them being reflected what they truly are as teenagers, I think that's incorrect. Um, to me, teenagers are still, it's still a form of kid. They're still trying, it's an extreme version of themselves in a lot of ways. They're trying out a lot of things. Um, they're, they're just at the point where they realize they can make choices. And, um, you know, they are influenced by a whole lot of things, 
that aren't particularly always positive, like mm-hmm. their their friends and, and media and all that. Um, but no, I, I think it's a phase. Uh, just like your two-year-old, that's not how they're going to act the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. But they throw a lot of tantrums when they're two. You know, I think I think the teenagers are a phase. I mean, some of it, some of their personalities in there. I mean, I, you know, it's still yeah. them. Self-expression, yeah. Yeah. But no, to think that's who they are, you know, you don't see people dressing like, well, you do sometimes, but, you know, people don't stay in that phase forever. Mm-hmm. Most of them. Right. Good, healthy people don't. <laughs> yeah, so. there's a few that don't grow up. <laughs> yeah. They're still wearing Jinkos, <laughs> but, um, pipes, yeah, exactly. cords, <laughs> but, friendship, um, friendship bracelets. But no. And as far as when our daughter gets to that phase, which, ugh. Lord, what are they going to have by then? You know, I always ask myself, I remember when piercings was big when we were in high school, and I thought, what is going to be going down that's going to offend me? And stretching turned out to be that thing. So now I have to ask, okay, these people that stretch out their earlobes, what is going to offend them? (laughs) That's true. I just, you know, I just hope that whatever is cool is not permanent. Like stretching is permanent. Yeah, tattoos. Yeah, that, that's the only reason why it bothers me. Tattoos are permanent, but they're like, personal, and you know whatever. Uh, you you can limit but, yourself. I yeah. just. Uh, but piercings was so lightweight compared yeah. to that. I can I can I chime in? Or are you done? Um, go ahead and chime in, and then I'll say something I just about what say, I think about Jenna. I think I think both. I think it's both. I think it can be both. Sure, yes, the media does influence kids, and I would say in some subcult, uh, yeah, subcultures. Um, uh, uh, teenage subcultures, I would say yes, you know, the preppy movement, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But if you start to talk about the hangout kids, um, the kids that, that are darker, that dress uh, with a lot of black or, or whatever, those kids, I think, see, I, I, I can't say they're expressing what they really are. I will say that they are expressing what they feel. And oftentimes those kids, the darkest kids are the ones that are exactly the opposite on the inside. Because what do we do with masks? What's the best way to disguise who we are? To not, we certainly don't dress up like ourselves. No, we, we, we dress, dress up, up like something, something totally, totally different. different. And to protect yeah. ourselves as teenagers, when we have a sensitive, sensitive heart, we come off like a hard thug. And I'm going to tell you, after working 10 years in your city, I'm going to tell you, some of the sweetest young men I ever met were these black young men in the inner city. And they're so sweet when they're little. And they're so sweet. Oh, you'll never meet a more precious, precious human being in the planet than a young black boy. And as they get older, life happens to them. And and, and things change. And and man, you'd have to be a lot darker skin than me to tell you what they have to go through. but when they and when they get of age so many times in the inner city, they are hard and they feel like they have to 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 threat be threatening. And even if they're not violent, even if they don't carry a gun, even if they're not they, they don't fit the stereotype at all, they still want to come across like I'm someone that you need to respect, Dad Gummit. And and all that sweetness is still in there because I've seen people come to the altar, become Christians, and that sweetness comes out again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a reason why so many black men die. And it's because I believe our enemy hates them because there's something, something precious about them, something amazing. And um, the world tries to kill that off before they even get grown. Um, so that being said, the same thing happens in other subcultures. And uh, they, they put out the opposite. And so I, that's why I really have a heart for people that um, you know, are, are in these extreme subcultures because they're, they're, they're really hurting. And that's how you can tell.
because they're coming off like they've got everything figured out. They're free-spirited. They're awesome. They're wonderful. But meanwhile, they're abusing their bodies and cutting themselves and all these different things. So, um, so but 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 on the other end, yeah, you got kids that are definitely getting their their ideas from you know mm-hmm. musicians and oh yeah TV and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's yes. I think it's both. I think you're both right. But go ahead, Jen. What were you going to say about Jenna? Oh, thank you. Oh, I was just going to say about our rules when our kids hit teenage years. Um, one thing that hopefully we won't be too old to remember this is just to keep in mind that, that once again, it's another phase and to not, I guess, not preach the, the things as much as, as um, keep pushing the principles right. and, and the ideals that, that we want to raise them up with. You know, I, I'm not going to slam them because they want to go with the latest styles unless something in it is just purely, you know, whatever offensive yeah. or, or just you know i'm with you inappropriate I'm, I my say. biggest thing is covering your body mm-hmm. and um and not doing anything permanent until you get out of my house that's going to be i mean we're going to have standards and as long as what they want to do fits within the standards i'm good with it i really yeah. am and if they want a tattoo, if they want a piercing and all those kinds of things they can do all of that they want as soon is they have $600 for a deposit on an apartment. And $600 for the tattoo. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that tattoo is going to cost you probably three times the amount because you're going to have to also get electricity turned on, water, phone, blah, blah, blah. And if we're paying for college, that applies too. That's still Absolutely. under our house. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. It, it, and only because I don't, I don't want them to make stupid choices. You know, these kids that get full sleeves, they look so dang cool. But but then that that limits that really does limit your job. You can't even work at Chick Fil A if you have a, a ring, an earring up in the high part of your ear. Mm-hmm. So that's Chick Fil A. And I know when I worked in accounting, I mean they they would have they probably would have interviewed somebody with some sort of piercing or tattoos, but they would never hire. And them. granted, that may slack off because so many kids are yeah. tattooed and bespeckled and stuff, right. but. But it may not. Having I mean, spectacles. I know that. So don't email me. Um, you can have glasses and get a job. There was somebody who didn't get hired because he had facial hair. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, but it was all in his nose. Mm, that too. That's technically facial hair. Yeah. Hey, we got a uh, voicemail I want to read real quick, or uh, a voicemail I want to listen to real quick. It's another GLN question. Hi, this is Mike from the Too Much Information podcast. Um, on our show, we talked a little bit about um, basically teenagers being what they've been created to be by their parents and how they were raised as toddlers and elementary school students. Um, My question is, do you think that's true and that the things we allow them to do and the expectations we allow them to have of us carry over to their teenage years to when finally they're 16 years old and and we don't know what to do with them, but it's basically what we've created. Um, Just a thought. Tell me what you think. Thanks. I'm I'm 100% behind that. Yeah, I am too. Matter of fact, that's the thing I forgot earlier that I wanted to say is that I always judge my kids' behavior by that vision. And that, and that, and part of that, the question I ask myself, is this okay for them to do at 12? Because if it's not, it's not going to be okay now. Because the guy in the Sunday school class did have a point. Not everything's sinful. And some things, uh, Jen and I always ask ourselves, is this be- them being bad or is this being them being three, you know, their mm-hmm. age? 
and there is a different response based on that. If they made a mistake, you correct it, but you don't necessarily discipline it until it becomes intentional and a habit, and then you start disciplining that right. sucker. But the the, thir- the second question I ask myself is, even if they're just being three, is this something I want them to do when they're 12 years old? And so, therefore, I, I may be a little more picky than some people, but I deal with a lot less drama for my kids later on. For instance... Uh, the example I want to use first is a little girl raising her dress up when she's, you know, in pre-K. She's a little toddler. She lifts her dress. And it's so cute, and everybody thinks it's so cute. But is that going to be appropriate in kindergarten? Right. First grade, second grade? So I'm not going to reward that. I'm not even going to let her know that it's cute or whatever. So I tell her, no, mm-hmm. leave your dress down. Sit like a lady. Um, climbing on the furniture. It's not going to hurt the furniture when they're toddlers, okay? Slinging around. But do I want them to do that when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? No, I don't. So you don't play on the furniture. You sit on the furniture. Do you wear shoes on the furniture? No. Right. Do you jump on the furniture? No. It's it's like the baby elephant concept that yeah. I love. Yeah. Tell them about that. You know, when, when elephants are babies, they chain their... When they're training them, I guess, or something. Sounds kind of cool. Well, it's just an analogy. It's not yeah. real. Oh. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> they it, chain... They ch- anyway, if they're training elephants, they chain the elephant's foot... Um, you know, to to the pole or whatever. It's not when they're training elephants. Oh, <laughs> you're making it cruel. Why don't you just do it? Say it because I'm just totally you've made it. You've, the... You're living with the elephant right now. <laughs> I feel I'm really sorry, bad. baby elephant. No, the the analogy goes like this: that a baby elephant, if they're chained uh-huh. to a stake in the ground, they can't get away from it, and they try. But when they grow, by the time they're grown and could pull free, they don't. And why? Because they remember having, you know, not been able Mm -hmm. to. It's like siblings. Two siblings get in a fight when they're grown people or a dad and a son wrestle around. Mm -hmm. Even if the dad's 65, who's going to win? Dad. Yep. Because there's just something in there that says, I have got, I lose. I am the kid, Mm -hmm. you know? And kids need that because it teaches them about authority. They're not going to fight their bosses and fight their spouses and and fight against God like they would if they thought they could do everything. (sighs) But yeah, I think, I think when they hit teenager, I mean, it's, it's still just a phase, but yeah, every Every year is a culmination of all the years before. So mm-hmm. a five-year-old is really the culmination of how you've treated them the last four well, years. Well, what do they say? Three-year-olds or just two-year-olds would practice? Exactly. So, I mean, every, every year builds on itself. So, you know, there's nothing magical about teenage. It's, it's mm-hmm. another phase that they go through, but they're still drawing on absolutely everything they've learned prior to that. And granted, teenagers do rebel, and they do, pr- but it's a phase. It is a part yeah. of growing up, just like when they were two and they tried it, just like when they were in third grade and they tried mm-hmm. it, just like when they were in sixth grade and thought they were grown for a minute. Uh, these things happen, and, you, and you, your response to that is going to be what they learn. And if they know that there are consequences. If they know you mean business, you're still going to have to struggle with them, but it's going to be a lot less than, than if you're just throwing empty threats out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, you know, one of the times when parents really have a rough time because the teenagers are big and they, they can, you know, you can't control them right. as well. But yeah, I mean, when, and when they hit teens, a lot of times you have to sit back and just say, okay, I've got to rely on what I've taught them because I can't control every single piece of their life. I can control a lot, but you know, they're almost grown. Yep. Yep. Well, that's when you have to trust what you've, what you've raised Mm -hmm. them. I told a lady one time, she's like, do you think she was a single mom? She had a son that was a sweetheart, but he had some struggles and, and some issues. And she says, what do you see? What do you think? And I says, well, I hate to tell you this, but he's going to rebel. He's going to rebel hard. And he's going to break your heart. 
But I guarantee you, if you will stay strong through this, he will come back and he'll be fine. And and in many ways, even if you don't, he's going to be fine after it's over with. And she just, you could tell she was, you know, not, I don't know that she bought it, but mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what, we were there long enough to see that flesh out, weren't we? Mm-hmm. And you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, and did. man, oh my gosh, fist fights and breaking down doors. This kid went wild, absolutely wild. Yeah. And she had to go to some pretty big extremes to pull him in, but she kept her head on straight. She did what she was supposed to do. She got that boy the help he needs, and they're back, and everything's good. He grew past it, and he moved Mm -hmm. past it. And really, he was just acting out all the anger of his life just not being the way it was supposed to have been. And what do you do when you're angry? You abuse the strongest relationship you have Mm -hmm. because you hope it can withstand it. Because it's the only safe place you can let it out. Yeah. Even though it's not really that yeah. safe, it seems like it. But yeah, so I hope that answers your question. I totally agree that the only the only ex, uh, exception to that is when kids um, experience some sort of weird life change. Divorce happens, a sibling dies, something really close to them goes wacky. They get into drugs. You know, drugs are a bad decision that can really have a, a larger consequence than you know stealing candy. Mm-hmm. You know. And so those kinds of things can really throw a monkey wrench in it. And no, you know, you could raise them good. And if they make that one bad choice and get hooked, that's going to affect their life. And that's really nobody's fault other than the kid. But short of extreme situations like that, yes, you you are going to get an older version of whatever you started with. And that's what I do. That's what I look at at my kid. And I'm like, I don't want them jumping on the couch when they're 12. So right. they can't do it now, even though it's not that big a deal. It will be later. So... Absolutely. And the other thing that you've got to look at with teenagers is, you know, everything they do, there's a reason behind it and it's symptoms. And you got to look at, you know, is, is there a big overlying problem that's driving them, you know, especially mm-hmm. if it's out of character, it's driving them to do certain things. Anyway, side note. Good stuff. Well, before we go, um, it's been a pretty heavy show and I, I like that though. Um, we got an email um, from a couple of uh, Asian people. Taiwanese, I mm-hmm. believe. And it's in response to um, our comments about me being accused of being a racist last week. You want to hear we it? We were both accused. Were we both? I thought it was just me. But it was a show in general. Anyway, this was uh, sent to uh, Nobody's Listening, and they referenced my other show, NL Cast. But uh, it's it's awesome. Listen to this. Hi. We, the people in Taiwan, believe that James is not a racist. We believe that someone who has extensive working experience with black people cannot be a racist. James uh, Wrong James, not LeBron James, <laughs> the James who sings recap songs. Okay. Oh, James is a very music James is a very talented musician. People who love music surely cannot be racist. James is the title, I feel good. Wait, okay, okay. Not, not James Brown. So James, good. the geek. Computer, okay? Computer geek, James? Okay, James is a very creativity geek. This person is racist. James is a geek who is very creative, and surely someone like James cannot be a racist. Good Lord, and not, not James Cameron. You know, James Kennison from Nobody's Listening and Geek Loves Nerd? Oh, that James. Got it. 
虽然那个 James 很 ，Even though James is 呃胖 ，fat， 臭 ，stinky， 吵 ，loud。对汽水上瘾 ，addicted to diet cherry Pepsi， 虐待自己的弟妹 ，abusive to his younger siblings， 秃头 ，and bald。Wait， okay， we don't know that。I'm not bald。I think James has hair。I do。那他的 logo 上面为什么要戴 hat？ 那是 redneck 会做的事。That's just a logo for the show， and it's wrong to think that all rednecks wear hats。Canadian？ Probably Canadian。It's cold up there。In conclusion， no， James is not a racist。He's an equal opportunist. He makes fun of everyone. He makes fun of the young people, and the old people, the tall people, and the short people, the popular people, and John. But oh well. <laughs> but it really doesn't matter what we think because nobody's, nobody's listening. listening. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? I just can feel the love. Funny stuff. So there you go, white people, who <laughs> are easily offended. <laughs> Answer that one. We make fun of everyone, especially white people. That's our new subculture to make fun of. That's right. <laughs> Actually,、um, he and I have since had some really awesome emails back and forth, and、uh, just about the 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 fact that white folks don't really have a culture. We have a heritage,、mm-hmm. not very proud one. In some cases,、no. um, but we do not have a culture. And he's actually gone and done some studies in college campuses about that very topic. That he that they they're really doing some studies on the fact that white folks don't have a culture. They don't have this strong.、Um, Connection with people like them,、mm-hmm. and that it does、uh, affect their self-esteem and their and their performance. That、huh. they don't have a national identity or anything, a cultural that's identity. That's why they feel offended for people who. I think、it. so because they're trying to adopt it. <laughs> tr- I'm one fourth <laughs> Korean, so you know, da da da. So I don't know. Yeah, it's always、uh, Indian though. Indian. That you are one. <sighs> Stop <eight> . it. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to offend any real Native Americans by claiming because I, I have, I have, I have a picture of a great grandma, and that's it. So I actually don't even have a picture; I have a story.、But、anyway, I think that's it. That's it for us. We're gonna get out of here. What,、okay. do you, what do you think? I think that's good. All right. Well, hope you enjoyed this. Stay tuned next week for more information on、uh, proper discipline and parenting.、Uh, we got、uh, what. Eleven more weeks of this, so I hope you're enjoying it. Otherwise, it's <laughs> going to destroy our show. Check out the website geeklovesnerd.com. You can sponsor a show for only five dollars. Check out the forums while you're there. Email your comments, feedback, and everything else to geeklovesnerd at gmail.com or call us. Why not at nine two zero three G L N G L N. Till next time, it's Jen. I loved you. I loved you too. You're so sweet and precious.